If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today's guest is someone who started off in martial arts, reluctantly got into horses and um, sees the horse world or sees riding from a bit of a unique perspective, ride from within. I'm happy to present James Shaw. I've had a quick chat to him beforehand and I think this is going to be very good, very interesting and certainly he's already sort of been doing his work in the horse industry for the last 25 years. Um, Is that right, James? How are you today? I'm great today. Thank you. James, I'm looking forward to chatting. I think you've got lots of good information for the horse industry as well as for horses. And I think your program, Ride From Within, I think we can talk about that throughout. But I always start with a favourite quote. Now, I'm sure you've got got a couple of favourite quotes, but what would you like to start with as a favourite quote to start to introduce you? Um, They're both related from Mm -hmm. two totally different... uh, sources. One is from um, probably my greatest teacher. Uh, her name is, is Wen Nei Yu, and uh, she immigrated from Shanghai, China to Los Angeles, where I met her, um, and she's part of the Wu-style Tai Chi family. And she used to always tell me, and this would be the quote, if you think you know, you're unteachable. Mm-hmm. And she tell that to me a lot. And um, in my ignorance, I thought that she just really liked that quote. But in her grace, she was saying, uh, you still think you know something about this and therefore you're unteachable. Yeah. And it took a few months. Uh, and one day it hit me in the back of the head hard, like, oh, my God, she's been telling me I'm unteachable for months now. And I just didn't get it. And another one that that I love because I experienced it a lot in my teaching and my approach because it's so outside the norm of what the horse world has been. uh, Well, what's acceptable or what's common knowledge in the horse world. And and this is by a British uh, philosopher, uh, amazing guy named Herbert Spencer. He died in 1903. But he... He says, there's a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. And to me, that's the long version of, if you think you know, you're unteachable. Mm -hmm. Both those quotes come from a a, a pretty... uh, well, they're not really proactive. It, it, it's speaking about, you know, somebody's state. Um, and, and for me, it's just that open-mindedness yeah. has always paid off for me because then I'm really clear whether something is a waste of my time mm-hmm. or it's beyond me and it, it hooks me. And, you know, I make a lifelong study of it. 
So those are my two favorite quotes as uh, being a student, a lifelong student. I I really need to stay open-minded, especially in my own work. I think I know because I developed it. Yes, yes. Look, I think the whole open-mindedness, you know, we don't get people who've ridden at any level, taught at any level, done anything apart from very, very basic stuff that isn't open-minded, that isn't happy to continue to learn and the whole lifelong learning. I mean, that's why we even have horse chats. We've got International Horse College, which is all about lifelong learning. And the whole idea of lifelong Mm -hmm. learning is that we don't know enough and we don't know enough in the last 20 years even. You know, I mean, you've sort of helped pioneer new methods, but the last 20 years has seen a huge change in the horse industry, all for the better, I think, but come in from some open-minded people that have helped to change the industry. So, you know, congratulations on that. I think that's uh, really good. Now, you came in from a bit of a different background. So tell us briefly about your other background, but then how you started to relate that and get involved within the horse industry. Yes. So, um, yeah, I grew up in Southern California, Mm -hmm. and I was, uh, you know, I'm I'm a product of the 60s and 70s. And I would rather surf than do anything else. So I was athletic in that way, Um, meaning you you can't muscle surfing too much. The wave just doesn't worry about how strong you are, right? It's it's about connecting, flowing. And um, I was really interested in Chinese martial art. And so um, in, in 1983, I found a school and I started studying. And it was a really serious kind of traditional school. I thought at the time, and it was in comparison to some stuff now. Anyway, so I started studying and training to teach this martial art. And I was at the, we call it a temple. So I was there about 15 years, six days a week, six hours a day. I was quite dedicated uh, and serious, as uh, the time will tell, to this art. And towards the end of my time there, I had met... Uh, through a series of unrelated events uh, when Mayu, this Chinese uh, master. And she had been studying and teaching uh, a sister system to the one that I was taking, but she was doing it totally differently. And I, I realized that what I had been teaching, what I had been learning, uh, wasn't quite, didn't quite get the inside of it. It, it, all the external stuff was correct. The forms were good. They were strong. In fact, she told me one day, your forms are, are beautiful on the outside, but empty on the inside. <laughs> I was in shock, kind of insulted, like, what, do you know who I am? You know, that kind of uh, yeah, ego-driven yeah, yeah. Yeah. thing. And so for basically for the next five years, she kicked my butt every Sunday in these push-hands forms and kind of combat training stuff. And when I met her, uh, she was 68 years old. Um, about, you know, five foot nothing mm-hmm. and a little tiny, little tiny person. Uh, and I was big, strong, fast, uh, tremendous shape. And I had no advantage whatsoever <laughs> over her. So she started pointing out what not using force against force really meant, mm-hmm. like in the application of it. So th- I started, uh, I had to leave the other school because all of a sudden I realized, well, I can't do, I can't 
I can't teach this when I know it's not, mm. you know, real. Not that it's not real. It was great for what it was, but but it wasn't what I thought it was. Yep. And just about the same time, I had been uh, coming up to Washington State where my sister is a dressage rider. And she uh, rode at a place at Bred Lipizzans very seriously with a connection right back to the Spanish riding school, at least the bloodlines. Mm-hmm. And I started, I got introduced to them. And, and the lady who owned the place, uh, it was called Charlie Horse Acres, and Seal was her name. And she'd been sick. She had some chronic fatigue, uh, some autoimmune type uh, deficiency problems and she just become really weak so i started teaching her the healing side of what i teach of this martial art which we'll just call it an internal martial art because mm-hmm. it involves healing yourself and this amazing not using force against force so i started working with her on on her breath and building what they would we would call her vital energy and after a few months she had said that she'd observed that this had really helped her riding. Uh, All the breath work was really helping her riding. And to tell you the truth, I probably rolled my eyes and said, oh God, crazy horse person. And, and said, that's great. Awesome. And uh, so from that, they convinced me to do like a mini clinic Yep. And I thought, well, I'm, I've left that school. I've got plenty of time. I am, I'm not doing much else right now. I can do a weekend with them. Mm. So I did the clinic. It was a huge success for the people that had attended. And that was the end of it for me. I didn't think much more of it. Um, I could see that there was some really good connections. I could see that riders were using force and strength and leverage, simple leverage against the horse to achieve. And they would talk about joining with the horse. But all I ever saw was them sitting over on top of the energy of the horse and Mm -hmm. managing it. From above. Now, um, James, I've got to interrupt you. Your sister rode. Did you have any connection, anything at all with horses before then? I'm just thinking because your sister rode. Did you ride earlier or just come in complete blank slate? And but you could see. No, it. no. I'll tell you, the only riding experience I had mm. was when I was a lad. There was a stable across the river from us where yep. we grew up. Yep. And on the weekend at night, we'd sneak over there after a couple <laughs> beers and yep. we would jump bareback on one of these ponies and ride it like crazy until we fell off. So that was about my riding experience before <laughs> before okay. that. All right. All so, right. Yep. Keep going. Yeah. I just wanted to, to find yeah. that out before, you know, you were talking about teaching these riders. But keep going. It's yeah. interesting that you came in there with, with no experience Nothing. and you could um, you could see this. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because it, it, to me it was like a um, an uncarved block. Mm. I, I wasn't influenced by. I was just you know observing. Yep. Anyway, so I would I would see the strength and leverage going on and thought, oh well, that's that's um. Cause I related it to my own kung fu training. I had strength and leverage and thought I had it all, and it was just a matter of time to get better and a little harder work, a little more dedication, as if you know. Six days a week, six hours a day for 15 years wasn't enough. And I would find, I would get better. And that's when I met Wayne Yu. And she said, you know, you're just, you don't have the inside. So I kind of related myself to what they were doing. Mm. And, and like I said, I went back to Southern California, didn't think much about it. 
And then my friend Seal had called me and asked me if she could give my number to an Olympic coach and rider, uh, a dressage rider here in the U.S. because she was interested in incorporating Tai Chi into her cross training for herself and her students. And I, again, uh, reluctantly said, all right, um, yeah, because yeah, I, I, I had lots of temple at that time. So I had all this extra time mm-hmm. on my hands. And it didn't hurt that she was training up in Malibu, California, which I could take the coast and maybe get a surf in on the way okay. up her back. Okay. So, again, so again, the reason I say that is I, it wasn't my idea. Mm-hmm. You know, it really wasn't my idea to incorporate this into riding. And I think that speaks to... Uh, I mean, I've been doing it successfully and doing it for the last 15 years. My sole uh, thing, uh, my sole work. So anyways, I talked to this woman. We got in touch. Um, I went up to talk to her. She was very nice. We were talking about the principles, and she was talking about the principles of dressage. And I was talking about the principles of Tai Chi, and it's like we were talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. So... We, we made an agreement. I go up there once a week and work with her students and um, they seem to really take it on and love it. And from that, she been, so, so that's, that was, that's how I started. And I, so I got introduced at a really high level of dressage to, you know, um, exposure, let's say. Yep. And I really noticed how at the, at these high levels, there were things that nobody else could see as strength and leverage, but I did mm. because the, you know, it's, it's kind of a, I have a gift that I see things differently. I can see things from a lot of different angles. Like I can, like, in a sense, I can look down on a horse and rider without being above them. Mm-hmm. It's part of the way my brain's wired. So I would see things that later panned out to be true, but so that's how it started. And she was in contact track with dressage today, a big, uh, you know, the biggest yep. Yep. U.S. Uh, dressage magazine yes. to do three articles. And she asked me if I wanted to do them with her. And I, again, reluctantly said, uh, what am I going to do a form? I don't know what I'm going to do. But we did that. And that was really nice because she was on the cover of the first article we did. And from that, the person who wrote the article mistakenly said that I had been working on some videos, which I hadn't. Uh, she asked me <laughs> if I if I had thought about it. And I was like, no, not really. But I mean, I could, but no. And so I got all these phone calls for a video. And that was my first, within uh, three months, I had my first video out, which was called Tai Chi for the Equestrians Cross Training. And that got me some exposure. I was asked to do a big horse expo. Um, in fact, I think they have the, they used to have the same one in uh, in Australia, uh, Equitana. This yes. was Equitana, yes. I say. And uh, I got huge. Ex- I mean, that that was terrifying because here I am, this martial art, this rogue martial artist with these really weird ideas about philosophies and principles that aren't being applied. And I go to this horse thing, and uh, the managing editor and publisher of well, Trafalgar Square books were in the audience that I was speaking to, and I'd actually used them in the demonstration, not knowing, oh, I didn't know anybody. Um, (laughs) Anyways, they were waiting for me at my booth when I got back, 
And my, uh, my wife at the time was there. And I was like, oh, there's those two ladies from my class. And they introduced themselves and asked me if I was interested in writing a book. And I immediately backpedaled because my gift of vision comes from uh, my gift of dyslexia. Mm-hmm. So or I can't string a sentence together. And punctuation is like pin the tail on the donkey to me. <laughs> uh, they, uh, they asked me if I wanted to write a book and my wife didn't let me back out. So within a month, I had a contract to write a book. All of it was not my idea. You know, I was backpedaling the whole time. But it's all what I'm, again, it's been an amazing journey because this is literally the most interesting thing um, that I've ever done. And I'm consumed by the whole thing, the science of it. There's, I have to research things. It's, I see things and seem to know things before I can prove them. Mm-hmm. So then I think, like there's a, a movement in the seat. I call this third movement of the seat, which which actually uses the human pelvis um, in a way that it's usually not moved, um, but it's designed to. And I, I had to research it for years, uh, trying to prove it wrong uh, before I could freely teach it. Okay. And uh, I got so, I mean, I got exposed to all this science and all these experts asking them, do you know this? And they look at me like I was nuts. And I go, here, let me show you. Uh, And anyway, it's been a fantastic journey, all, you know, seemingly divinely inspired uh, because I kept trying to back out. Yeah. While you're trying to back out, obviously things happen. You talk about your gift of dyslexia. A lot of people would say, oh, I've got dyslexia. It's hopeless. I can't do anything. But this whole background in martial arts and you know, being able to see things just that bit different, I suppose, and putting yourself right at the high level, you know, like Olympic trainers, straight away at Equitana, publishers, you you sort of been pushed in that direction. It, um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, I think my biggest, I, while I'm absolutely, I'm always grateful for it, but it, it's really um, a practice in humility mm-hmm. and by never letting my uh, marketing get better than I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I had a friend early on ask me, do you want to be a star or do you want to practice your craft? And it's mm-hmm. something that like great yep. actors contemplate. Yep. And I was clear I want to practice my craft. Yep. Um, and, and that is the study of human movement and, and the combined energies of horse and rider because one of the main principles the main principle is that we receive the power of the horse through our skeleton i mean that that's where in everything with the skeleton on this planet force the force created by pushing into the earth uh travels through our skeleton so we can move and it's quite simple and and that moves our mass uh the bones receive force and transfer force muscle doesn't muscle creates the push but it doesn't transfer the force anyway it's been a fascinating study when i just really got into this in in the human to human aspect in internal martial art and feeling it and seeing that my normal reaction is to push against force regardless of how small it is i do it we do it in the fashion Mm -hmm. to start with Fascia braces before the force, but out of habit, 
before in and let's say history uh, um, as we train the fascia with every movement we make they block against it and so this work being present so much of it is being in the creating the the, the stillness in the mind which i you know the chinese call the yi mind or the spirit mind we would think of it as the right brain and more you know neuro uh, anthropologists and biologists uh, that study the brain start to see it in you know the right brain and that fires differently into the deeper parts of the brain and it's quite fascinating but when we're in this state we can start to retrain our reactions uh which are uh, you know we can have really quick reactions but they can also get us to react with force even if it sounds as a force it sounds as a force so we start to train in a response through a conscious awareness so basically we have to be absolutely aware of ourselves first mm-hmm. and not really aware of the horse we we, we riders so we are so, so i say we because i've been doing it for a while now even though i don't consider myself you know horsey and you know my passion isn't riding it, it's my intrigue i'm intrigued by it but mm-hmm. any i'll include myself in that we get trained to observe the horse every yes. international expert i know observes the horse and they observe the rider almost uh exclusively in silhouette are they sitting up straight are their heels down or is their chest up is there you know the whole, almost a silhouette as opposed to seeing the movement of the bones inside the muscle under the clothing under the jacket under the hat so we get to look into ourselves i call it this inward focus on ourselves uh the whole spiritual world and movements now and and they have for a long time if you read the right people talk about finding stillness you know um being present at cartole we talk about and then you know being a now you know the power yep. of now yep and that's come from you know millennia of buddhist and taoist and uh, hindu teachings but so without all that clutter you know without all the trappings of religions and dogma and have to be we basically focus on the breath to become present to ourselves and when biomechanically if you will or biochemically that starts to put us into our right brain where feeling sensitivity come from by the way mm-hmm. feeling sensitivity uh can be be developed out of the saddle and then it's a tool that you take to the saddle like my first my first rides were on these uh, you know uh schoolmaster upper level lipizzan stallions and you know my my friends my trainers my sisters would say when's the last time you rode and i thought they were trying to embarrass me because i you know it was maybe <laughs> september and i'd say oh god dang it well, last october mm. and they're saying look at his seat look at it and i didn't even know what seat was back then but i know now that my feel and sensitivity my uh the calmness not just in my mind but in my body where it wouldn't react harshly to the outside it would it would receive force and redirect it if you will that came before i ever sat on a horse and so this this state of presence where we focus more on us 
and less on the whores. So then very quickly, maybe not quickly enough for most people, is that I start to feel the horse in my skeleton. I feel the horse in my body. Mm-hmm. I'm not feeling the horse with my body underneath me. And it's exactly what the old masters in, in China would talk about. They would feel things before they manifested on the outside because they could feel them within themselves. And it's been just fascinating. This is, it is, it's fascinating. You know, I mean, I think I can talk to you for the next few hours. I haven't got that much time, but um, you've certainly got, you know, oh, look, you're coming in from such a unique perspective and I think your whole background has come in. What I'm thinking, okay, so say, and this is for the listeners as well. Sure. You you went to do a workshop because you'd go along, you'd get new riders all the time. Someone calls you up and says, can you do, you know, a workshop? Can you assist with the team we've got? Right. Say, say coming in, what's some of the common problems that you see and what do you do about fixing them? You know, just say, and this is not people that you've been working with for a while, but no, yes, right off the bat. Just straight off the bat, what do you say are the first things that people can do to improve? You know, because we're about education, open-mindedness. What can they right, do to right. start to get the the feeling that they can ride, you know, ride from within? Sure. Well, always, um, regardless if it's I, I had the chance to work fresh on via was filmed, recorded. Uh in England with the the top young rider uh, the year after she'd won that award and moved back from uh, Hong Kong to London. And I worked with her and, you know, immediately I could see tension in the horses and the movement of one of the horses scapulas. And I could, I could look back to her and see that it was, she was very strong there and held there. Mm -hmm. So I know that that's the root cause of a lot of issues, but she doesn't recognize it. So the first thing I would work on with her and, and anybody is the first question is, where is your breath? Mm-hmm. Where is your breath? Yep. And they usually give me a strange look. And then I say, is it up in your throat? Is it in your chest? Is it down in your belly? Is it in your back? Where is it? And that simple question allows them to think about themselves instead of the horse. And they, they usually find that the breath is up in their chest. And if the breath is up in their chest, we say, okay, great, good awareness. And then I ask them to uh, do two things. I want them to breathe in through their nose and out through their mouth. And I want them to visualize their breath as a color, one color coming in and one color going out. So the colors, that I just usually say it comes in blue and it leaves red. And I do that two reasons. The red and blue are what our blood does. You know, it, it leaves the heart full of oxygen, red, and comes back depleted of oxygen and it gets blue and it gets recharged. So it works for me that way. But it also to visualize air, which is, you know, can't be seen as a color, you have to engage your right brain. And earlier I talked about that's where feel and sensitivity are developing come from. So I asked them to focus on their breath. Once they do that, you can see, or I can see in their eyes, their focus is turned inward a little bit, depending on what the horse is doing. Mm -hmm. But that's the beginning of that self-awareness, deeper self-awareness. Then 
I ask them to find the rhythm of their breath. In other words, are they breathing in for a three count, out for a three count, in for 10, out for 11, whatever it may be. Again, not telling them do this because that's too uh, uh, rigid, if you will. Yep, yep. You know, it's, so uh, it, the breath is, it's not everything, but it's the beginning of everything. Mm-hmm. So if you can find the rhythm of the breath as someone listening to this um, and start to train yourself to exhale through the mouth at least one count longer than the inhale, what happens is your breath starts dropping down into your diaphragm, I mean, into your belly, right? We start to get more abdominal breathing. And the most brilliant thing about, um, well, there's many brilliant things about uh, um, breathing down into the belly. Um, The first thing it does is it moves our center of balance, our, you know, balance point from our chest down into our seat, closer to our seat. When that happens in the rider, it is absolutely mirrored in the horse. So their breath starts moving back from, let's say, the 17th vertebrae. You know, in most riding books, uh, really good books, they'll put the center of balance on a horse about the 17th vertebrae and the thoracic vertebrae just, you know, uh, back from the withers. It's when their diaphragm pushes against their visceral gut and their center of balance moves back towards their haunches, which is what we, we we want is desirable anyways. So the breath does all these amazing things. It drops our center and moves the horse's center back. This is maybe more scientific and, and technical, but I think it's incredibly important. Um, when the diaphragm starts pushing down on the visceral gut, the internal organs start moving both in human and in horse. In, in humans, it, it's, it's taught as a, a healing method, that woman's seal that I was working with, that abdominal breathing was to stimulate her gut. Um, recent studies show that when the diaphragm uh, pushes down, it stimulates the vagus nerve. And then the vagus nerve tells the brain to release these neurotransmitters, acetylcholine, serotonin, um, nitric acid. And, and those three neurotransmitters that are released into the gut produce a sense of well-being. They help with remembering. In humans, uh, serotonin, when there's a huge amount of serotonin, things get glued into our memory better. And when there isn't, we, we don't remember things. People who suffer from OCD have very little serotonin in their body so they don't remember that they lock the door or turn off the stove or whatever it may be mm-hmm. so there are all of these things that happen in the human when we breathe into our abdomen the fascinating thing for me and what gets me so excited not being so horsey is that the same thing happens in the horse so if you can if, mm-hmm. if we realize if i'm breathing into my gut the horse breathes back into its belly and i have a ton of video that shows exactly that you can see the diaphragm and the barrel push back their diaphragm is stimulating their vagus nerve which releases serotonin acetylcholine and nitric acid into their gut and they get a sense of i mean i don't know if they get a sense of well-being but they, their eyes soften. They all suddenly really like me. They lick and chew. They release. And all of these things that seem to happen in me immediately happen in the horse because of that mirroring effect where they just mirror me. 
So it's quite fascinating what the breath can do. It, it's really simple. It's too simple because people say, yeah, yeah, I'm breathing. Mm. But there's such a depth. You know, it's like all of this stuff. The, the, the simplest thing done to a master level, it's like it's all basics. It, you know, there's nothing we do in riding that's enhanced by holding our breath. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. It's in fact, holding the breath immediately starts to create tension in the body at a cellular level in horse and rider. And if we use the, the force against force mode or just strength mode, we, you know, uh, strength as opposed to power, um, power coming from relaxation, rotations in the bones with a connection to earth and strength coming from muscle contraction leverage as opposed to rotation with a connection to the earth when we start to breathe and relax the gut and and this power starts to happen um and the horses mirror it it, it's absolutely phenomenal how they start to move uh almost well within an hour for sure but instantly in the lesson most of the lesson is getting the rider to do these things and not get distracted by the horse or who just came into the arena or if there's a bag over there or the memory of she spooked there the last time I was here mm. which kind of sets up all this tension yep. so that being present working on the breath it just changes thing, things uh, quite magically but we have to stick with them you yes. know it, no, um, it's alive it's real in every moment and you know when, when we react harshly or with with strength and contraction, the horse immediately does the same thing. Mm, so mm. I, I, I'm sorry that was a very oh, long answer to no, I, yes. I think um, your depth of knowledge, it's just, you know, you, you just keep giving all these little gems of information, which is brilliant. But just wondering, okay, thinking of um, when you first started, you got into all of these opportunities that you were, you were backpedaling. Mm. As you've gone out, though, to just, you know, spread your message, move out there within the horse industry. Mm-hmm. Have you had people that, um, you know, because it's new and, you know, a lot of people just, well, we all like to think that we know it all and we don't want to learn anymore and you're coming in from a martial arts background and, and what would you know and, you know, all of this fairy stuff. Have you had opposition to to what you're teaching? Um, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What I want to know, not so much the opposition, but but how you know how you handled it. It's um bravery, confidence. It's to say this is what I did as well. Yeah. If you can tell us yeah. about that, that'd be good. So yeah, I, I knew I knew from the start that that uh I, I had a lot of uh well known, well marketed folks mm. that wouldn't give me the time of day because I I, I think um, well, I don't know. Either they had that contempt prior to investigation or they saw it as a threat. And what I really did was just say it's not their time, mm-hmm. you know, and I tried to take a very spiritual approach to it because I don't want to waste any energy convincing people who aren't already open-minded to see it. Yep. I, I want to put my energy where, you know, the people who are really intrigued and willing to do it. Um, but I will, will tell you, I'll, I'll try and tell a very quick uh, story about exactly that. Mm-hmm. And uh, quick, because I know we're, we, this is only an hour. Um, mm-hmm. I was invited 
uh, out to an ex-Olympian in the in the U.S. Yes. And I'll leave it at that. She yep. was a medalist. Yep. Um, and and she was she was you know uh, getting on. You know she was. Let's say she wasn't fifty anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a. Uh, it was a friend of a friend. So I'd gone out to teach her. And uh, she, because she was, uh, she was having trouble riding these big, strong horses as her muscle strength was failing sure. uh, as she was getting old. And uh, she was, uh, as they would say, a piece of work. And she was fighting me every step of the way and giving me looks like I was, you know, a guy that mowed the lawn, not a trainer. And so finally, I was just getting fed up with her. And I said, I'm going to the beach after this. This lesson's already paid for, so I'm happy to leave right now. If you don't, you know, <laughs> if you don't, because I'm not vested in it. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not vested in commitment. And she said, No, no, no. And I said, Okay, let me ask you this. Um, and I was being a little cheeky, if you will, right? Just a, a bit at this point. And I said, you, You've halted thousands of times at X, right? And she just looked at me again, like, Here, idiot. Um, and she said, Of course. And I said, and you hulk square most of the time, do, do you? And she's like, well, do you know who I am? So I'm just setting this up. And she's like, well, yes, like, of course. <laughs> and I said, every time you ever halted at X, your horse halts one foot first and then steps up with the other foot. Which foot do you halt first? Get <laughs> silence. And, and you could see on her face, there was a moment where she went, uh, nobody's ever asked me, taught me, or have I considered that question? And she said, and you could see the break in her face. You could see like her heart open, you know, the, the ego take a step back and the heart open. And she said, I don't know. I just halt them. And I said, through knowing where your weight is, where your sit bone is in the rise and fall and opening the ball of a foot a certain way, you can ask one foot to halt and the other one step up. So that that was a, a good result. Mm. You know, mm. it was touch and go there for a minute, but I had to not be vested in it. Like I'm, I, I tell my students and, and new people all the time, I'm not here to prove this right. I am not here to prove this work right. Horses already do that. If I had to prove my work right, I would never do a second lesson with people. The horses have to prove it right. Because that's what we ultimately listened to. And so her horse did that. And that was that was it. You know, that that was one of the the, the greatest ones. Cause again, if they, if they're not open minded at all, they don't mm-hmm. want it. I, yep. I I'm not here to force feed them. Yep. Um, yep. but it was a beautiful moment. It was a beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. And after the lesson, she asked me if I spent my winters in Florida where she did because she wanted to continue. So yeah, there's a lot of opposition, but it's not common knowledge. It's not common knowledge off of the horse. It's not common knowledge in the medical world. Uh, these movements and, and this ability that we have to come from a, a deeper place in the brain, a different place uh, with the, underneath our ego, you know, to, to get the ego out of the way so that we can really be open-minded and give ourselves the time to, to actually change how we move, not mm-hmm. just in the sap, but on the ground, you know, so much of it is the things we do on the ground, we take to the saddle, the things we do unconsciously, how you take a step from a standing position is how you move forward in the saddle. Uh, when, the, when the gate changes, and these are all things that, that 
are unseen because they happen so quickly. But for somebody like me, uh, they're they're all I can see is yeah. so we, we get a chance to I get a chance to improve people's lives off the horse and you know off the horse so it, it's but there's a little opposition I just don't see it anymore I'm mm, too busy mm, trying to mm. you know this year I've just refocused on maybe putting it getting it out there okay. more than I have yeah, yeah so yeah. I can't I can't let those negative things get get my way or consume my energy. Yeah, yeah. James, we definitely have to get you back again. There's so many things, so many questions that I've got for you. Mm. But I think for now, what are you looking forward to? You know, you said this year you're getting it out there a bit more. Is that the main goal that you're working towards? Is there something else that you're working well, towards in the next 12 months or so? What? Yeah, tell us a little bit about what you've got coming up besides another chat with us. But, <laughs> yes, yeah, what, what yeah. else have you got coming up? That will be – well, I'm kind of most excited about my uh, longtime girlfriend and wife uh, she just, we were married last year, um, but she lived in Scotland. She just moved here. Her and her kids moved here. And she is the, she is a, a she's a writer and she is the great, she just eats this stuff up. So I look forward to working with her more and more in the saddle and, and getting that out there, you know, cause we can videotape it. And she has a different language than me, you know, let's face it. I don't have this, uh, uh, if you will, uh, horsey language. Um, uh, and she does, and she experiences it for herself. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to, um, some retreats that we do. I've, I've done clinics for the last, I don't know, 20 years. And, you know, we do three to five day clinics, but this year we're setting up some retreats where we all come to one place and we stay there and we work on the the groundwork, so it's a really intensive kind of focus mm-hmm. um, yes. for folks. And I'm quite excited about coming down to your neck of the woods. I have a, a friend in Australia who has a training facility, and um, we're planning my first clinic down down under, as we say in the oh, states, good, good. which I can't wait. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That I can't great. wait for that. When's that going um, to happen? And, well, we're not sure. We were talking about the fall. Uh, it was going to happen in, in May, but that happened to be when when they were moving from the family was moving out. I, I'm hoping uh, that it'll happen uh, maybe in 2019, early 2020. Good, good. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. So that, you know, traveling to some new places. Sounds and good. also, uh, I guess, um, documenting it on video, getting some courses online, Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of stuff that that's, it's, you know, it's not my, uh, because of my dyslexia, you know, my, uh, I, there are these gifts, but there are some also things that, that take, uh, a huge amount of energy, um, that most people, it takes almost no energy and, you know, uh, so I have help. And we're really looking forward to doing that, getting it out there Um, because it's, you know, uh, I haven't focused on putting it out there. Mm -hmm. I focused Mm -hmm. on knowing for sure that this is the truth. Yep. You know, it's just some gimmick that, you know, uh, I've come up with because I had a bunch of horses or I had a need. Uh, 
you know, I, I know that this is, this is true. Mm-hmm. Um, all these things that I'm teaching. So I'm just looking forward to, to being a better teacher, you know, and, uh, working, you know, developing my craft yep. in that sense yep. and, uh, working with, uh, more people and working with the students I have, you know, I have some students that, that I've been working with for over 20 years. Um, and really getting deeper and deeper with them now that uh, I'm, I'm freed up to do so, if you will. Perfect. Yeah. James, looking forward to catching up with you again. I think we can um, certainly talk. I know that you've got lots more. Lots more. You're coming in from a unique perspective into the uh, the horse industry. You, you know, you've got a unique background. There's just so much mm-hmm. more and so many more questions I can ask you. So um, can we catch up again soon? And meanwhile, I will... Um, yeah, I'll, Ab- I'll talk to you. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that would be perfect. Ab- right. Absolutely. The sooner the better for me. <laughs> okay. uh, just It's my passion, and the more I do it, the better I feel. So perfect. I love sharing this, this ride from within with you. Thank you so much. Thanks, James. You're welcome. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.